0: priorities of a Christ follower is kind of what we're going to talk about. And the reason why we're going to talk about it is because we're going to read about where Jesus talked about it, right? And Luke, we were in Luke chapter 9 a couple weeks ago. Uh, Sister Jenny brought powerful word last week. And then we're kind of continuing this whole thing about following that path that he lays out for us the path of a disciple and you remember that all of us as Christians, if you profess to have faith in Christ and to be a Christian, you're called to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now being a disciple involves more than just believing that Jesus is Lord and died on the cross from your sins and rose from the grave. That's important, but it also means that you are learning. You're a student of Christ. You are trusting him for everything as far as your salvation and your life, Life and all and you are following him that is following the direction the path of life that he has for you as he is a living savior he's not somebody who just lived and died long ago that we pay homage to and listen to their teachings he is the living lord who was resurrected ascended and is soon coming back Oh, let me say this as you're finding Luke chapter 9 in verse 57. The thing is, is we need to be focused on him and and following him. We need to be focused on his agenda, not ours, his program and his plan, not ours. And there are so many distractions today. I know there's always been distractions. I know there have always been temptations. And I know there have always been struggles. But I'm just telling you, the enemy, the devil, is no more powerful today than he ever was. Uh, he though probably has more tools to work with today than he ever did. He can hit you. You believe this? Is this true in anybody's life but mine? I mean, there are so many ways now that he can come at you and get get in your head. All around. So we've gotta be focused on the Lord because it's easy. Like when Peter stepped out to walk on the water to go to Jesus and he got distracted by the storm and the waves. We got a lot of storm, a lot of waves and we can get distracted and and we take our eyes off the one that we need to be focused on. You know what, there could even be some seemingly good things to get our focus off of the best thing. You know, hey, the enemy will settle for that. And that's why with everything going on in the world, see a lot of the things we think are just happening in America, but they're happening all around the world. Right, and with all the things going on in our country, all the things economically, politically, and I mean, you guys are probably stockpiling toilet paper still. All that stuff, you know, all the stuff's going on. You know, we're trying. Things are different now than they were. You know, I think all of us know that a page has turned over on God's prophetic timetable that it was spoken in Scripture. We are in, you know, we're we're in an important time. But here's what I'm telling you: what I've been God has put on my heart from the beginning for me personally. Keep your eyes on Jesus and on his kingdom and his plans and his program. And don't get distracted to other things. We're going to continue to share the good news. Our world needs good news. Hey, listen to this. You need to pick your battles. And, and, and what what hill you're going to die on. I mean, the thing about it is, is some, some of us, I mean, we're distracted by different political things and stuff like that. That becomes the main focus of our battles. There's probably some bigger ones, some deeper ones that we really need to be focused on, and you're not gonna be ready for it. There are people, listen to this, that you think, for some reason or another, could be various reasons, that you think, or for some reason, An enemy or something like that. Jesus says, they're part of the mission field. People, we're to reach with the truth, the light, the love of the gospel. How are you gonna do that? Well, the way you're gonna do it is the same way Jesus did. We gotta commit ourselves to following him. (laughs) So amazing. I don't know, I never get to the point that this is just like, eh, ho-hum stuff. This is awesome stuff. Our Lord, our God, our creator, and we're gonna talk more about this and how this happened tonight, if you want to come out. Uh, But he came down and became fully human. At the same time, he was fully God, and our God walked among us. Our God, who spoke the universe into existence, has put his feet of flesh on planet Earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And he lived in this world. He knows what it's like to deal with human stuff. So we have a God who has also been tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. We have a God who knows what it feels like to be forsaken by your friends and loved ones. We know a God who knows what it feels like to feel physical pain. Some of you are in physical pain today. You came to church anyway. You came to worship. You knew we need to gather together with the saints. We have a God who not only knows all things, he's experienced it. He's felt it in the flesh in real time. And he not only died for all of our sins and rose to give us victory, but he lived and set an example in real time on planet Earth of how to live and do and deal with different things. He set an example. Wow. That God wouldn't just send this word and everything, but he actually came down here and did it. Yeah. I think that's awesome, don't you? So I wanna know what Jesus says. And the way he interacted with real people on real planet earth that's been reserved and recorded and preserved for us to read about and inspired for us to have, teaches me a lot. So here's three people that Jesus encountered and they could be a lot like any of us. And I want to say this, whether any of these three or some of these three or none of these three ever became a follower of Christ, the Bible doesn't tell us. We really don't know. There may have been somebody that showed up over in Acts that might have been one of these, and we're just not told. I don't know. Or they may be people that had this little encounter with Jesus, thought they were all in and turned, and never followed him again. I don't know it kind of leaves that open for us, doesn't it? Because see, now it's pretty easy for me to say, well, that was that guy. No, it could be any guy or gal, could be me. All right, so I want to look at this about being a, a real disciple in Luke chapter nine. And let's read verse 57 through 62. So you open your Bible and read with me, please. So it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said follow me. But he said Lord let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know whether this all happened back to back to back or whether these are different encounters that Jesus had with people that Luke kind of puts together. Matthew mentions one of these, uh, or whether he puts together, this is some general teaching that we just kind of gather from different times that Jesus interacted or if this did happen, one guy comes up and says, hey, I'll follow you. And then Jesus says that. Then he turns to another and says, you follow me. And then he says what he says and Jesus answers him. And then another one, he says, follow me. And then I don't know whether it all happened like that, but it could be this happened many times. Uh, you know, as we try to bring the gospels all together of when they mentioned something. Um, because, you know, hey, I'm sure there were many times someone said, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus may have used this same answer, right? Just like, hey, sometimes I use the same answer. Sometimes I use the same illustration, right? And uh, so just like Jesus did that, I think, sometimes, right? Uh, but anyway, the, these three different types of things, and we're gonna take a look at here. Uh, And it's it's our main responsibility, our main job to be a follower of Christ, to focus on him, and to help others to know the good news about Jesus, and to help others become a follower of Christ. That we want to be disciples of Jesus who help make more disciples for Jesus. Amen, Amen. that's what we're here for. So in order to do that, I've gotta put first things first. That's where the problem is. And that's what a lot of this is about. Because sometimes we want to follow Jesus. Hey, I want to go to heaven uh, and all of that. And I know that following Jesus is how I'm going to have the best life here that I could ever have. As well as a, a forever I can't even imagine. All right. But it's like we want to keep him in our hip pocket. You know, I don't want Jesus to really interfere with a lot of my day-to-day stuff. But, you know, if I get in a 911 emergency situation, I can find him fast. Right? It's kind of like, stay, stay out of my business here, Lord. But, but if I need you, I'll call. Don't call me, I'll call you. Sometimes that's the way we do. We want him near, but we don't want him in front of us following him. We just want him nearby to bail us out. Oh, if we're not careful, it becomes more about me living my life and Jesus just being around to help my dreams come true. That's not the message of the kingdom of God. The whole thing is about his will, his plan, his purpose. I watch to see what he's doing. I change my plans and I join him. Better than any dream I could ever have for myself. Um, there's so many things, like I said, and so many people that can, 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 um, work against us in our desire to be a true follower of Christ. It's not easy. Because hmm? I think one thing that proves to me the reality of everything scripture teaches is how that there is an enemy. There is a, a force of opposition of evil, Satan, who fights against us. Right? Remember one night in testimony in the old church building. There was a man stood up and he said, I want to tell you, I've had a tough week. I've been fighting with the devil all day long. I get up in the morning and the. Devil's just on my case. I've been fighting with the devil in the morning. been fighting with the devil at noon. Before I go to bed, I've been fussing and fighting with the old devil uh, every day. And his wife stood up and said, well, it's not all my fault. It's your fault too. Uh, So I'm not talking about somebody you know. We're talking about not flesh and blood. Did not Paul remind us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power of the forces of spiritual wickedness? In high places. We're talking about that realm. So the enemy comes against us, right? We need to remember that, that he's real. So here's the thing. He's gonna use everything that he can. Um, Anything, I think, in life that is easy is probably not the best things. Some of the best things are not easy. You know, as they say, if it's easy, everybody be doing it, right? If you're going to be healthy, Especially as you get older. It's not going to be easy. If I want to eat healthy. And give my body the things that's going to help it and not harm it. It's, i found, not super easy. If you want to stay in shape. And keep your physical body in shape. Not easy. You guys looking at me like, yeah, we know that. So what? You agree? Yeah. If you're going to be successful in school, in athletics, in life, not easy. I don't know why I'm screaming so loud, but anyway, whoa! <laughs> kind of surprised by. I'm, I'm preaching at me, okay? I'm just letting you listen in. Not easy. But that's what our American cultural mindset has become. We just want easy, right? We just want coast. And anything that's worthwhile is not easy. And I assure you, Jesus was very upfront about being a follower of him is not, as we would say in human terms, fleshly terms, easy. But it's best. And I think if we don't follow him, what we're going to end up is not easy either. That's just like, even relate that to your physical life. If we don't take care of ourselves, if you don't have the proper diet, exercise, if you abuse your body with drugs, if, if you know, things like that, and, and, and you know, and as Wayne would say, working too hard, right? All that. Uh, then, you know, <laughs> if you just try to do what comes easy and natural for you now, it's not going to be easy later on, is it? You're going to have a lot of struggles and pain and problems because of that spiritually speaking, the same is true. This is a principle that, you know, if we just want to live life easy and coast for me, it's not going to be easy down the road, maybe even in eternity. So uh, that's what Jesus is bringing out here. There are so many things that could get us off track. So it's not easy. You you have to make a determination. No one else can do this for you. And if you're not the disciple you should be, then you're not going to be blessed like you could be. You'll be lacking that spiritual strength and joy. You'll be lacking peace and love and et cetera. Uh, Your life will not only lack satisfaction, but you're not gonna find and fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. So as people who profess to follow Christ, we need to sometimes, listen to me, I need to sometimes re-examine my priorities. And priorities, there's a word, we just throw it around, priorities. Yep, priorities, get my priorities right. Priorities involve Commitment. Purposeful. Conscious decisions made. To be committed. To something. To someone. At some point. We're drawn to him. By his grace. But at some point. Because he made you in his image. And gave you a will. You need to make a conscious. Purposeful decision. Whether you're going to be committed. To Jesus. Or not. It's the same thing works in other areas of life. Priorities involve that, and these three characters that come along to Jesus display them. Uh, And uh, when it comes to following Jesus, one reason is an example. I want you to just get this up front. I read that story. uh, It's a real story. But every one of these involved implied limits to their following. You see that in every one of them. And Jesus exposes them. And with each one of these, the invitation and the opportunity was to follow Jesus. So what constitutes the life of following Jesus? It's not just hanging around the crowd that hangs around Jesus. It's not just attending church services. It's not just like Easter or Christmas. True Christianity is not seasonal. It's not Sunday. It is life. It is a way of life every day. So Three things here, and we'll keep it simple today. So if you listen fast, we'll go fast. If you listen slow, it might take me longer. Fair enough, good, fair enough. All right, first of all, we'll see a priority of action. Here's a priority of action. And I want you to see what it is because this first person comes to Jesus and Jesus is going along the road here. Somebody just kind of comes up that's been in the crowd hanging around Jesus and says, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. Man, now that's a big commitment right there, isn't it? Big commitment. Now, the word translated, let's get down to some words. We have every word of this book's inspired. Let's look at it, you ready? Okay, good, let's do it. Uh, you should be like, the clock's ticking. Come on, man. The word translated follow indicates an ongoing command. It's not just like a, I'll follow you, and it's like a one and done. It's a continual thing, all right? Are you watching this? Now, I'm not trying to sound slick, but I believe since the word of God in its original form is inspired word of God, and most all of our English translations are a, are, are, are a good enough representation of all of that, but but we have the English word follow. But when I look deeper into the original language, I see something that I hated studying when I was studying this, but I find like, hey man, every, even the tense and the voice and the, and, and all of that and, the, and of the words mean something. And I want to see here that it indicates ongoing action. It means from now on for the rest of your life, follow me, that, That this guy that came to Jesus used it in a little different sense than what Jesus used it when he turned and said to someone else, follow me. Follow me on this, okay? (laughs) The verb Jesus used when he said, follow me, in the original language, Koine Greek, is what we call present active imperative. The guy that said, I'll follow you, his was future active indicative. Uh, they kind of seem to say the same thing, but they're really not. You know, I think I'm going to follow you in the future here. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you an imperative. I'm giving you a command right now from this moment, continuing forward to always that you are going to continually never stop following me. And there, in those words, you see part of what Jesus is trying to bring out here. Because all of them had some implied limitations that are in here. Now, on this first guy, if you study in your Bible, you find in Matthew chapter 8 that um, this mentioned one guy. And if it's the same guy, Matthew tells us this man was a scribe. Now, that's amazing because most of the scribes did not want to follow Jesus. They thought, who is this upstart rabbi that didn't go through the proper channels of things like we did and all of that. They all thought they were experts. But he says "Is his scribe, and it turns out that he thinks he wants to be with Jesus and go with Jesus. But what this is bringing out is this may be a guy who thinks this who, who really hasn't considered the whole cost. It may have seemed like a, man, a lot of people at this point are following Jesus. There's things that Jesus is doing that no one else has ever done. And and there's signs and miracles that no one's ever seen before. And there's a lot of people, a lot of attention. Maybe it seemed glamorous at first. It may have been been that he was like a lot of followers in Jesus' day and thought this may be the Messiah that we all know about Scripture teaches and that he was on his way to Jerusalem to spark a revolution and overthrow Rome and rule and reign on earth at that moment. They didn't understand that the kingdom of God was first spiritual before it's going to be physical in the earth. Okay, so uh, that's maybe, we're not told, I'm just maybe, could have been thought, and and then Jesus didn't quite fulfill those expectations. But he says, i follow you wherever you go. That's a big commitment, isn't it? Isn't that a big commitment? It's like, wow, you know, he's on target with that because that's what we should say, right? I'll follow you wherever you go. That's what a disciple says. I'll follow you wherever you go. That's what a disciple says. Unless you got your own faulty idea about where we're going. See? See? Huh? You already got a preconceived idea of where we're going. And it doesn't turn out quite the way you thought. I'll follow you wherever you go. You should be impressed with this guy's statement. Since I don't hear a lot of people actually saying that these days. But here's the point. It's not about words. You say whatever you want to say. It's about action. Jesus sees into the heart. He already knows if we're for real or not. I have to just take what you say with what I know about you. But Jesus can look into your heart and know what real motives are all about. And you never find Jesus trying to pad the numbers. Uh, many people today rush to, pee, try to. we sometimes try to rush people into the keynote. I think sometimes we gotta be careful. You know, hey, just pray this prayer. Just say this or that or whatever. You don't find Jesus doing that. In fact, before it revolves around praying, it involves around having faith in your heart. You can say a prayer and not really believe it. It's all about faith. How you receive God's grace is through faith. Now, that faith that you're putting in who Jesus is and what he's done for you should lead you to pray and ask him and and pray and, and repent of your sin and trust him as Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive you of your sin and save you. It should lead you to do that. And I'm all for helping people pray that prayer of salvation. But saying words doesn't save you. Believing them in your heart is what does. It's by faith. It's action more than words. It's what is real in your heart. Uh, you receive God's grace by faith. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you say. It's not saying magic words. Well, Jesus was letting this potential disciple know that if you follow me, I can't guarantee creature comforts. All right? Just want you to know, I, I don't even have a place lined up where I'm going to stay tonight, and now if that bothers you, right, that's what he said. You know, hey, foxes have got holes. They got their dens, you know, birds fly around. They all got their nest. I haven't got anything right now is what he's saying. I don't have anywhere to lay my head tonight. I haven't got it lined up where I'm even going to sleep tonight. Could be outside. I don't know. Does that bother you? You're going to follow me wherever. And how about that? That's what Jesus says. Now, the man's statement was geographical in nature. I'll follow you wherever you go. But there's a difference in just going where he goes and hanging around and doing what he wants us to do and being who he wants us to be. So I'm just gonna say that when we say we're gonna go, we're not just following around, but we're gonna do and we're gonna be because we go. The context Suggest it doesn't say here, but I'm just, I believe the context suggests that he did not end up following. That's just kind of the, the implication there. He was talking the right talk, but it doesn't seem like from what Jesus said that he was ready to walk the right walk. He needed to understand something that we need to understand today too. And that is discipleship or being a Christ follower is not a priority of words. It is a priority of action. He may have been thinking, I follow you as long as I like the destination. I follow you as long as I like where it goes and like the scenery along the way. Listen, Jesus doesn't cut deals with anyone. Trying to bargain with him. If you do this, I'll do that. He's already died on the cross for you and risen from the dead. You don't cut deals. He says, I'm the Lord. You're the sinner. You need to repent and trust me. So if you're out there bartering with him, if you'll do this, I'll trust you. He doesn't cut deals like that. He's the Lord of heaven. You need to just trust him. say, so "Well, my life's all broken into pieces and he needs to help me fix this and fix that. No, 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 no. What he wants you to do is just say, here's the broken pieces. They're not mine anymore. They're yours. He's the only one that can put them together. Only one that can. Wherever really does mean wherever. It may mean giving up some false securities and excuses and stuff that we have. This first one that comes to Jesus is somebody that maybe it's implied here that he loves comfort. And Jesus brings up that whole point about, hey, I don't have guarantee of creature comforts here. Uh, He seems all excited But if it's true that he didn't follow him, then he may be kind of like the the man in the story, the person in the story that Jesus told about the sower and the seed. You remember the stony ground that the seed seemed to germinate and, you know, I'll follow you and all that. But then when trials and tough times came, it withered away. It was like in shallow topsoil. This may be someone kind of like that. Okay. All right. But it's a priority of action, not just words. All right. Let's go to number two. Are you ready? I can keep talking on that one if you want, but okay, let's go to number two. I mean, I've got fresh batteries and everything in my okay. Number two. <laughs> number two, priority of affection. Now, can I say something here? I gotta give full disclosure. Like this particular outline, not like the whole message but the outline, I'm borrowing from someone else. As, as I got to hear when I was a very young man, I heard a wise old preacher that came and part about being connected to other churches and our like associations, it helps you have opportunities you wouldn't know that had, but uh, when I first got put on the Christian Education Board they had already arranged for a guy named Stephen Olford to come and preach and he's passed away now but what a wise old preacher that trained so many of a generation or two ago and I got set under his preaching and I've read some of his book, but anyway, he preached and used, I wrote down this little outline on this as he just challenged the socks off of us, you know, spiritually speaking. But, um, uh, but, but this is powerful because the next one is a priority of affection. Now I want you to see how that works. So it's possible that the second man was standing there listening as Jesus said that to the first one, or we don't really know, but here's what it is. The first one comes up and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus addresses him. It's not about words. It's about action, okay? I don't even know where I'm going to stay tonight. Second one doesn't say anything. Jesus turns to him and Jesus says to him, you follow me. You follow me. Verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this is a different situation, as I said, as a first, because Jesus actually approached him. And the way Jesus answered him kind of sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? I mean, come on, Jesus, if this guy, if his, if his father's about to die. Um, or it could be that this guy is saying, yes, I'll follow you, but... At a later time when things are work out more conveniently. Kind of like, you remember when Paul shared the gospel before Felix in Acts chapter 24? And he said, at a more convenient time, I will call you, send him away. He says, at a more convenient time, I'll call you. And we never find that convenient time ever happening. It's kind of like, that's part of it. Because see, God's not deceived by any one of us. And this sounds like an awesome excuse, right? I mean, really, come on. This is like, I mean, this is like the best. Somebody gonna die. I gotta be there. It's my dad. That's the best. Are you thinking this sounds unfair? Stay with me. Because the thing we know about Jesus, Jesus sees through our words. He sees through everything to our motives, does he not? Now, if I had replied to this person this way, it might, would have been out of line and harsh. But when Jesus does, it's only because he knows something. Okay? He knows something here. He knows about real motives, real attitudes, real thoughts. The fact is, if you study a little bit of history, y'all know this wasn't written in the 1920s or 30s, don't you? Or in the 1800s, right? Yeah? You don't go to Silver Dollar City where they celebrate the 1800s because that reminds me of the time when the Bible was written. No! Thousands of years, several thousand years since the period was put to the revelation of scriptures is complete, not to be added to or taken away from. All right, and during the time that Jesus was walking and this happened, we can study a little about their culture and about Jews, which he was among Jewish people. The thing is, is they always buried, they didn't embalm, they buried their dead within 24 hours. Very necessary, within 24 hours. So if he said he had to go bury his dad, was his dad already dead? If his dad was already dead, what was he doing? Out in the crowd, going down the roads, following, following around. What does it tell you? Come on, just use the, the what's in there. His dad wasn't dead. His dad probably wasn't even sick. Probably, uh, if his dad was sick, why wouldn't he there take care of him? Dad's okay. But here's the thing, that I don't really receive my inheritance and everything that I got coming until dad does die. So, I need to stay around home and I need to stay and hang around everything there. Once dad dies and once we bury him, then I'm going to have my security that I need so then I can do what I want to do and then I come follow you. Yeah, Jesus knew that probably this is probably what was going on. He says, Let the dead bury their own dead. You do something even more important preach the kingdom. Proclaim the kingdom of God. There's a bigger kingdom going on than what you know in your little world that's happening here. One of these days, all nations of the world are going to bow before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about his kingdom that is forever, forever. He says you need to be proclaiming that. Remember, physical, that that death doesn't just apply to the physical life. So perhaps many people feel like he's telling this guy, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Let the dead bury their dead. Those who are spiritually dead that aren't interested in following, let them take care of dad. But right now, at this moment, you've got something more important, more powerful to do and that is proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Um, Christ's message and his kingdom. If those people are gonna be there anyway, let them take care of him. Quit wasting time. Go now and keep going. So what this man was telling Jesus is that I'm interested in being a follower, but I wanna put it off. Isn't that true? I want to put it off for an indefinite period of time. We don't know how long it's gonna take until father was gone and all the estate and family stuff settled. In other words, I don't want to follow you until I'm totally free from all distractions. Uh, You know, like a lot of people, it's like when things line up, when things are easier, when my boat comes in. What do you mean your boat come in? You don't even have a boat. You didn't send one out. How's he going to come in? Right? The second one loves comfort too. And money probably. we, We can see his interest is divided. Maybe he's like the person Jesus described in that parable. About the seed that fell among the thorny ground. That there are other issues and cares of this world. And worries that choke out the seed. Right? Because I think in my mind. Jesus knew that when the guy said, I'm gonna go back, because dad wasn't dead, he may not have even been sick, he knew that he wasn't coming back. He wasn't coming back. He knew that. And that's why he said, let those who are spiritually dead bury the dead. You follow me. The thing you need to do right now is you need to follow me. And here's what we see. Discipleship is not a priority of convenience, right? It's a priority of affection why I said priority of affection, that you're more passionate about him and who he is and following him than we are about any of the other stuff in our lives. Is our affection just on our little thing, our little empire, or is it on him to where if he calls us to leave home, if he calls us to leave home base, if he calls us to leave comfort, are we willing to go or only if it works out conveniently? See, that's the thing he's telling this person. It's gotta be, our, he had to be the number one priority in our affection or our passion and our action. But then the third one is about our attention as well. Third person seems to really take the initiative because, you know, it comes up here and another one comes to him. And now this person comes to Jesus. I will follow you. I will. Yeah. But, sounds good. So, But, then he says, but, there's a problem. I'll follow you, he says. First, let me go bid farewell to those who are at my house. Now, that seems fair enough to me, doesn't it? I mean, if you're gonna leave, if you're gonna go follow Jesus, it would be nice to go say goodbye, get a goodbye kiss, a hug, whatever. Hmm? Y'all see anything wrong with that? I don't see anything wrong with it. So Jesus' reply seems a little harsh here. Now, like I said, if it had been me saying it, it probably would have been, but Jesus hears more than what's said. He hears what's the hardest saying. So for Jesus to say what he said, he had to be hearing more than what the guy was saying. Because he says, uh, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, it's true. This reminds me of a story that happened in the Old Testament. Doesn't you? Remember when Elisha was called by Elijah to come and to follow and to be the a prophet of God? Remember? He was plowing with like, what was it? Oh, 12, 10 yokes of oxen. And, and you remember what he did? He said first let me go back home, and what he did though, when Elisha went back home, he went back home to not only tell everybody bye, but he killed the oxen and had a big barbecue. Fired up the smoker, and he took the yoke and everything. He was made of wood and made a big fire. Man, they cooked those dudes and ate them, and had a good. It was a different situation because he was determined that I'm going to get rid of my even my source of income, and I'm going to follow the Lord's will, and, and, and was a great prophet of God. So it was a whole different. Elisha was sincere. So for Jesus to say this to this guy, eh, he probably. Was wasn't as sincere, you think, for Jesus to say that, because Jesus to say, put your hand to the plow, look back, he probably is like, you're looking back at where you really want to be, and you're not going to come back either, mm-hmm. yeah, because he knows, he knows stuff, doesn't he, um, uh, by the way, saying goodbye in that culture uh, could last for days if you study history, it could go on a month when they would have someone leave. They would just you know uh, keep keep that thing going so so this is also an indefinite period of time i 'm going to go, um, but what Jesus is talking about here is people close to you making a potential christ follower look back and think twice about giving up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus knew his focus was really back there and not on him, but I want to follow you, but I got I'm going to get away from you for a while and go back, but that's where I really want to be is back there, and he really wasn't going to follow Jesus probably. Jesus says you can't plow with a gospel plow, so to speak, with your head turned around looking back behind you where you've been. Now, you ever had any experience farming? I didn't do a lot of plowing with a Ox or a mule or, but my gramp did. And when I was a little kid, he still plowed the garden with this old mule. And I used to follow along. But the same thing is true when you're on a little tractor raking hay. I was pretty young when I had to get on the hay rake because we grew all of our own hay and all of our own silage and everything as I grew up on a dairy. And um, back then though, it was just a single rake. You know what I'm saying? A single sided, not double, go one pass, make a big windrow. You had to go down and back to make one windrow that the baler would come and pick up the hay to bale it, okay? And back then, when Dad had boys at home, all square bales that we could haul. They had invented the big round bales, but for some reason, we didn't do much of that. So that old baler that Dad used, he did not want to miss one bit of hay out there. And so you had to go down roll it over and you come back to roll it back. And he wanted you to kind of roll that thing a little bit and fluff it up because he didn't want that baler to miss anything. Now I can tell you experience as a young boy, you get to goofing around and looking around. Dad did not like to do uh, incredible strategic maneuvers with that hay baler, keeping it, keep it in there. And on the end, you better not have a curlicue there where he has to waste time trying to get because he don't want to miss any of that, right? And I can remember just a few times, I'm like, oh boy, I messed up there. And, uh, and if he ever caught up with you, unless you were broke down, if dad caught up with you on the, can I get an amen? If he caught up with you on the baler and you're supposed to be raking and staying ahead of him, it was not, it was not good, right? But I can remember a few times, I must have been getting a little crooked because all of a sudden, you know, you could have a tractor going, you could have all this noise, and dad could whistle. And I mean like the neighbors, you know, that live 10 miles away or whatever could hear. But anyway, you could hear it. Oh no. And he's waving his hat. Boy, shut it down. You know, it's like, what's the matter with you, right? Think a little bit, son. You know? And they also took the water jug away from me because I was stopping and getting drinks of water too often. Anyway, but keep it straight. But I noticed that. And you know, so when I was a kid growing up and in church preacher preached on this, it's like, man, that's a spiritual truth. I get that because it's really weird. When you look back to see if you're going straight, that's when you wander, right? Same thing's true, men. When we're, I found out when we're driving down the road and you, you need to look where you're going. You know, I like to ride motorcycles. I always say, you know, you need to look in the direction of your turn when you're going into leaning into a turn, look where you're going. Uh, but you need to do that when you're driving with a wheel, look where you're going because it's just kind of weird when you're looking off in the field to see how many, deer and turkey are out there. You just kind of start drifting off the road, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to keep your focus. So he's saying, you you look back, you can't plow, right? So we understand that we live in a farming community. So we try to plow looking back. We're going to mess up. Remember Lot's wife? Jesus asked some people that one time, right? Remember Lot's wife? She left Sodom, but Sodom never left her. She heard the fire and she heard the brimstone raining down out of heaven behind her. And maybe she began to think, you know what? All my friends are back there. All the stores I like to shop in are back there. The bank where all my money is is back there. Everything that's important to me is back there. And despite the angel's warning, she looked back and became the answer to a Bible trivia question. As she turned into a pillar of salt. Right? Discipleship. Is not a priority of intentions. I intend to go and do this and then I'll be back. I intend. It's not a priority of intentions. It's a priority of focusing all of our attention on him. My attention is on him. Otherwise, I can have all kinds of intentions, but he wants my attention. That's it. How many times you get smacked on the head? Pay attention. I always seem to have had trouble paying attention. Sometimes I hear the Holy Spirit bumping me in the heart saying, pay attention. You might have all these intentions, but they're never going to happen because you're not paying attention to the right thing, to the right one, him. So, you ready for some take home? Whoo! thought I was never going to say that. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. If you want to find God's first and best for your life, then you have to give him your first and best. He doesn't hide the cost of discipleship, but he's going to give you his best. See, we must take, we've got to make trusting him. Are you hearing me? Trusting him must be the priority in our life. Trusting him. The next thing, if you're trusting him, is you're going to follow him. That's the next part. If you're trusting him, you're going, you can't really follow him if you don't trust him. You gotta have faith and you gotta walk by faith, trust him and follow him. And, and you can't follow him unless you really know him and you can't know him unless you're willing to follow him. Secondly, our commitment has to be to him. It's personal. Do you, do you get that? It's to him. This isn't about a cause. Your commitment is not to a cause It's to a person. It's to God himself. These people in this narrative needed to learn that Jesus was not offering them special guarantees of creature comfort or things like that. What he was offering them was something better than that. He was offering them himself. Because there's many times that I go to God and I have a need, a legitimate need, and I pray, Lord, and my focus is always on the need, Lord, take care of my need, answer this problem, heal this disease or or this pain or or help me with this and I want the answer to a particular problem and he wants to give me that answer but before he gives me that he wants to give me something greater and that is himself and I found out when you seek him first instead of just you can bring those things to him but if your attention is on those things instead of on him he wants to give you something greater than just the answer to those things he wants to give you himself and I can tell you and you can say amen when you receive him you get everything else you get everything else Our focus is too small. He wants us to follow him because we love him, not because we love what we receive from him, but we love him for who he is. Not just for all the things he's done, but for who he is, that's where worship comes from. Our problem is that we put our focus and attention on the wrong things. We need to re-examine the goals and priorities we have in life. The reason is that if they're wrong, I'm going to die defeated and disappointed. But if they're right, we go from victory unto victory as a follower. And think about where this road goes and where it ends. We know a little bit about it. Given light to the path, but he wants to be a lamp to your feet for each step each day. Let's pray. Father,